You're listening to Eyes on the Street, a civic brand podcast. Conversations on community branding, engagement, and marketing. All right, welcome back to another episode of Eyes on the Street. I'm Ryan Short with Civic Brand and super excited to be joined by Nate Storing from Project for Public Spaces. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Yeah, so Civic Brand and Project for Public Spaces, we've done we've done a few projects together, worked with, worked with each other a few times, and um, I was just going through your annual report and was excited to see one of the projects that, that we worked on in there. But um, I guess I think most people listening to this are probably familiar with Project for Public Spaces, but I guess for those that aren't, do you mind giving the quick kind of elevator pitch you guys are all about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Project for Public Spaces is an, a national nonprofit organization uh, that was really founded on the belief that public spaces are just a core part of our well-being, um, you know, ha- uh, healthy economies, um, and all sorts of other really important outcomes. Uh, and that the best way to get those great public spaces is to work with the people who use them every day. And so um, we really do that through a variety of different strategies. We uh, actually do on the ground public space projects. Um, and that sometimes is paired with a grant. Sometimes it's directly uh, working with a client. Um, we also provide training and we provide conferences uh, as well as communications. So we, we like to have a, a very uh, sort of broad approach in terms of providing support for those kinds of public spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do kind of want to dive into each of those different things separately. But I guess before we do that, backing up a little bit, mm-hmm. I guess what initially drew you into this kind of work and into doing this? What was your background? And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, it's funny. I feel like I kind of uh, fell backwards into this field in a lot of ways. And maybe that's kind of a common story. I think uh, all of our staff members come from very different disciplines and always felt like the misfit, you know, like we're on an island of misfit toys, right? <laughs> People are dissatisfied architects or dissatisfied planners or who are want to do things a little differently than uh, the field at large and find their way over here. And so uh, I, I'm kind of similar in that I actually came from more of like a museum's background, actually. Okay. So um, I was always very excited about exhibitions and events that were about urban design, urban policy, all these issues that we face in our cities and trying to connect people to those issues so that they understand them better, they have the tools to engage uh, or maybe giving opportunities for them to engage directly. So that was that's sort of my background. And I got ex- first got excited about this whole issue because of a shopping mall, actually, <laughs> in my hometown of Kitchener, Ontario. Uh, and there, there's a shopping mall called the Market Square that's right in the middle of downtown. And uh, I think my parents were working for the local newspaper and they ended up moving to this building. And I was like, what's the deal with this place? And as it turns out, it's actually where the city hall and the farmer's market used to be. Okay. And there was a whole urban renewal scheme in the province of Ontario in the 70s to just tear down chunks of downtown and build these shopping centers. And so like every mid-sized city has a shopping center like that. And uh, by the time that I was a kid, it was, you know, the, the anchor store was gone and they were, it was falling on hard times and they were trying to figure out what to do with it. And this was just this common story across all of these different cities. And I got really interested in how cities evolve and bounce back from these sort of scars uh, and also the processes that led us there. Like why, you know, why were, was there this concentration of power and who gets to make the decisions and who gets involved and uh, that that sort of set me on this path of uh, participatory urbanism and placemaking and all of that. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I do, I do think you're right that, you know, a, a lot of people that we've had on this podcast that we partner with, you know, on projects and there is kind of this common thread that, you know, maybe they were already working in the space, but they were not happy about how things were, have been done, or they just kind of slowly started to question like, why are things like this? Why, you know, who's making these decisions that, that, you know, we're recognizing impact our lives and our health and our economies and kind of like wanting to pull the curtain back and seeing like who controls all this stuff. And um, I do think that, I guess the good news is that that's created a whole kind of network of people that, that are kind of passionate about it, coming about it for the same reasons. Um, so, yeah, one of the things I kind of wanted to dive into, you guys just put out your annual report kind of as a good summary of, of kind of the work that you guys do. So if people want to head to y'all's website and check that out, they definitely can. And one of the things that it starts off with is a, a Surgeon General, the U.S. Surgeon General statement. Um, you know, I guess they put out a report on the epidemic of loneliness and was comparing the health effects to the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, I guess, right. and, and his, his uh, I guess his solve for that is social infrastructure. So I guess you mind elaborating like why you guys put that in there, what that means to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, as I was saying before, public space, you know, I like to call it the crossroads of everything. It's, it affects all of these different outcomes and that can almost make it hard to wrap your head around, but it has an effect on our social lives. It has an effect on our economy, on resilience, on all of these things. Um, and that's just one really concrete example from an authoritative source saying like, yeah, you know, we, we have a lot of lonely people in this country. It has a, a terrible effect on our health in very direct ways, like, you know, uh, contributing to, to illness in old age, but also not having help when you need it, those kinds of things, right? Um, when there's a heat wave, when there's uh, a flood or all those things, who's coming to check on you, right? So, you know, having these public spaces where people actually meet, where they get to interact, uh, having the programs and the management to support that kind of activity in public space is a really important preventative measure uh, towards this loneliness. But uh, it's one of the biggest challenges facing us today, and especially, I think, with an aging population, it's only going to get more uh, urgent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I like about, I guess, calling attention to some of the like really specific like health factors or economic factors is I think in, you know, in some of the work that we do and when you hear placemaking talked about, I think a lot of times it can be viewed as kind of just like, oh, that's cute. Like some mm -hmm. on the sidewalk or let's put some bistro tables out and it feels like a nice to have, but it doesn't right. feel like, no, this, this can be a substantial thing in people's lives. And it has like, like almost no matter what lens you want to look at it, if you want to look at it through a health lens, you can, you can see the health impact. If you want to look at it through a fiscal lens, you can see that. Um, I guess, do you guys run up against that in your work of people kind of viewing some of, you know, public space or placemaking as kind of just, oh yeah, we've got that, or that's cute, or that's a nice to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of it is that I think we're so used to solutions that solve one problem. And so when, you know, uh, a foundation is is looking for, uh, puts out a call for grants uh, or, or even like, you know, government RFPs and all of those sorts of things, often they're really targeted towards one specific outcome. And the messy, complicated thing about public space is that it addresses all sorts of outcomes and often in pretty diffuse ways, right? So, 
you know, a lot of nonprofits uh, that are that do great work, right? They have a pr- you know programs where you can track someone who participated and say, all right, before the program they had this experience, after the program they had that experience. Public space is really hard to treat that way because uh, it's used by everyone, right? And you don't you don't know who sometimes like someone who uses it afterwards didn't even know about the process to improve it, and and or maybe didn't even live there. And so it's really messy to track all of these outcomes. Um, and because of that, I think it can get written off. But uh, I think we all intuitively know <laughs> the difference that having a neighborhood park makes or having walkable streets makes or having, uh, you know, commerce close to your doorstep so that you can go take care of your daily needs. Like we know the value of that in our lives, uh, but somehow we're able to forget that when we think about it in this bigger picture sort of perspective. Yeah. And well, that's what I love about the work that you guys are doing is I feel like it it's helping to kind of level up public spaces and placemaking to make them be taken serious, you know, just as serious as a, you know, a downtown, like a re- any revitalization project or economic development campaign or project. It's, it's definitely, you guys have played a big role in just having a more serious conversation around it versus it just being like a, a nice, you know, cute thing to have. Um, I, my mind starts to immediately go into kind of some of the, um, you know, that's kind of like a roadblock, right? The, the mm-hmm. kind of how people view it. But then um, I also see people getting a little too, when they, when they look at projects like this, you know, I know events and programming are definitely a part of it, but I guess, how do you think about, and how do you guys balance that thinking about like, it's not, what we're talking about here isn't an event, right? It's not overly programmed, but there is programming. Um, and there's kind of that mm-hmm. day activity, I guess, do you mind sharing your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, it's so interesting because the word placemaking does get thrown around a lot these days. And uh, and there are different disciplines and different uh, sectors that are all sort of claiming it, right? And so I think when people from the marketing or events world are using it, they're thinking about the sort of programming side. But then like some architects have really embraced that and they're only thinking about the design side of it. Um, and same, same goes for developers. They're using it and they're sort of thinking of it in terms of the place branding aspect, right? But I think when we think about it, um, at the end of the day, it's about you, the, the use and the perception that people in that community have of the space. And so when you're trying to solve for that, right, improve the, the use, improve the perception, you have to use all of the, the tools at your disposal, right, the full palette. And so, yeah, events, abs- programming and events, sometimes totally um, forgotten, you know, when you're, when you're thinking of it from a pure design standpoint, uh, they just people can sometimes think it's just going to kind of take care of itself, and if you have the right design elements, people will use it. That's not necessarily true because they may not even know about the space. Events are an important way for people to kind of build that initial connection, for example. Um, but yeah, you can also overprogram a space, and I think it's important to think about the more casual, everyday uses that that will happen in a space, right? People who are going to go there for lunch and just hang out. People who are going to go there to read or go with their kids to to play on the playground and and meet other parents, right? All of those casual uses are just as important as the the big blockbuster event that's attracting tens of thousands of people. Yeah. And you guys talk a lot about, you know, everyone having the opportunity to shape public spaces. What what do you guys think of or mean when you when you say that? Yeah. So it, it's I think a really it, it has a couple different levels. So on one level, and this is, I think, what people usually think of when they think of community engagement, it's really good to get broad input from people, right? Uh, 
everyday residents, business owners, people who work in an area, um, fellow like nonprofits uh, in our case, um, all of those different, and, and of course, public agencies and, and professionals, right? Um, but on top of that, um, it's also really important to kind of build a bit of a coalition, I think, around a public space, partners in implementation who are going to help with some of that programming, help with some of those materials, uh, and also just are invested emotionally in the success of the project. And so it's not just about getting input, it's actually kind of about bringing people along in the process um, so that once the project is quote unquote done, uh, it's not done, right? It can continue on and be taken care of and evolve over time. That's ultimately to us what that sort of community engagement approach is all about. Yeah, no, I think that's super important. And that's where, I think that's where our our kind of worlds have, have crossed and on some of the projects that we've worked mm -hmm. on. You know, what is the role of community engagement in that? How do we kind of set a place up for success to kind of take it and run with it on their own? Because um, I think a lot of people, you know, civic leaders and different folks, when they hear that, I think they they might get a little heartburn that they think, you know, are we are we just telling residents to go out and, you know, I mean, tactical urbanism, that's a great thing. And but I think some people get scared of that, of like, are we telling people to just start going and building things and changing things and they're not, you know, it's create dangerous situations. And so um, I think everybody is for the community engagement, but they start to get nervous about like, well, what does that really mean? Like as far as owning mm -hmm. space and um, yeah. And I do think, you know, kind of circling back to kind of a comment you made a few minutes ago about like, you know, it is hard to measure because you, you know, who's using it and the, and the value of it. But one thing that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast and other episodes is just, the and, and some of this was lost, I think, during COVID. And so you by losing it, we kind of really recognized it was just the value of people in your community that you don't really know, but you kind of know, right? Totally. Like, you know, and, and and public spaces are such amazing and there, there's such a value to that. But I, even me, like I understand the value of that, but it's hard for me to put my finger on like, well, what is the actual value of, you know, living in a community where I know that like, if my kids are riding down the street, like there's people in our community that will see my kids and they go, oh yeah, that's Ryan's kids. And they kind of have, you know, their eye on them a little bit and they'll tell me if they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. And mm -hmm. um, I think that is so important. Like one, to me, one of the most important things um, is just, again, maybe you're not best friends with that person, but you know them and you have a connection through public space. Um, I guess, do you guys, how do you guys think about that or, or, or track that or, or helping <laughs> that? Yeah, it's a great point. And I think, you know, in some of the sort of research around this, um, some sociologists differentiate between strong ties and weak ties, right? And uh, one of the things that that's uh, often been uh, pointed out is that actually weak ties are really important. Um, you know, whether it's even things like getting a job, right? Um, so often those come through people like contacts that you're not in touch with every day, right? But uh, you just have this sort of relationship across the years where you touch base every once in a while, but those kinds of relationships are important. It's the same thing when you think about public space or you think about your broader neighborhood or community, having those people who, you know, you know their name, you may not even know their last name, <laughs> but uh, you know who they are and you have a certain level of trust with them uh, and sort of maybe a narrow relationship in certain ways where you only share certain things. Those kinds of relationships are so important to our personal well-being, and then also those things like resilience, right? When things go wrong, um, who are you going to trust, right? 
that person who you only know their first name could become really, really important in that time of need. Or yeah, when you just need someone to watch your kids, any, any of those kinds of situations. So uh, it's really important and it is really hard to measure. And I think um, hopefully with this sort of renewed focus at the federal level of saying, we recognize social infrastructure is important. We recognize loneliness as an epidemic. Um, we'll hopefully see some better ways of measuring it. But right now, I think it is really challenging. It's really labor intensive. You know, we can look at things like cell phone data. You know, that stuff's gotten way better. Um, but all that tells us is where people are. It doesn't tell us whether they're actually connecting or not. And um, there's been lots of research that tells us that even when people are in the same place, uh, you know, things like sort of micro segregation still happens where it's like on a main street, you may have uh, businesses where only the white folks go to this one and only the people of color go to this one, right? Or only the black community or only the, you know, Latino community. Mm -hmm. And that can happen all on one main street. So that cell phone data, when you think of it that way, maybe isn't that useful because people could still not be connecting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. And I think on the loneliness thing, I mean, with, with an aging population, I mean, that's where, you know, I, I think everybody is impacted by that. We can all be impacted by loneliness. And, but I think, yeah, that, that older senior population is extremely impacted by that when they're, they're not working and they're not pulled into some of these different things, public spaces, I think. It's a really just interesting demographic that, you know, how are we thinking about that? Cause I think, I do think that's a sometimes just forgotten audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're talking about, you know, activating public spaces um, is, is that older population. Um, yeah. we can leave that up to whether it's like churches or retirement homes or different groups that can really hone in on them. Um, well, I guess let's dive into some of the different programs and things that you guys do. So I guess maybe starting with the placemaking grants, you guys t- mind tell me a little bit about those and some of the stuff you guys are doing with that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is a program that we launched uh, a few years ago called Community Placemaking Grants. And essentially, the idea is that we are able to provide a combination of implementation funding, which I think is usually what people think of when they think of a grant, uh, as well as technical assistance from our team uh, and access to our training courses and our conference all in one package. Um, so that's we, we like to think of it as a fairly unique approach to this kind of work. Uh, the other thing that's kind of unusual is that when we ask for proposals, we actually d- you don't need to have a of a fully fleshed out plan. You don't need to have a budget. Um, all you need to be able to do is tell us the space, you know, who the community is you're trying to reach, especially uh, if they're currently not served well by public space. Uh, and then, you know, what your capacity is to actually implement this plan. And then we'll actually figure it out with you. We'll do the community engagement, come up with the vision for the space together uh, with the community and, you know, figure out the work plan to make it happen. So that's kind of our approach is it's very, very open-ended and really rooted in that place, make that open-ended placemaking process. Yeah. And so what are some of the, I guess, communities or projects that kind of come to mind? I know you guys have done a ton within that, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so right now uh, we actually are working, we just uh, selected the next five uh, communities that we're we're working with, uh, with support from GM um, and uh, that just came out of our newsletter uh, this weekend. So we're excited about that. Um, but yeah, we're working, for example, in uh, Atlanta, we're working with the Midtown Alliance uh, on a plaza in uh, a Marta station. So that's their, their public transit there. But it was kind of this old, maybe 60s or 70s uh, cement plaza 
that really was just a place to cut through for for people. Um, but you know, this is a busy transit station that that serves like fifteen thousand people a day. Uh, very diverse in terms of the people who actually use that transit system. Um, and we felt like this was an opportunity to actually serve those those transit riders and figure out what would what would add to their experience, their level of convenience every day. Um, so in the end, we ended up with actually some additional seating and a, a sort of flexible performance space that's in a shipping container, of course, um, and some some great public art that's going to actually uh, bring that to life. So those are the types of projects um, that that we were working on. But really, that was kind of like a twinkle in someone's eye when they applied and we went through the process together to figure out what it was going to be. Yeah. And I guess tell me a little bit more about the training, because I guess that's that's part of the grants or that's sometimes separate or. Mm -hmm. So as part of the grants, uh, the grantee organization gets access to our uh, placemaking, making it happen training, which happens uh, every fall. And it's a virtual training that really sets out the nuts and bolts of the placemaking process, right? From, you know, what is placemaking even to community engagement, to uh, design details, the sort of tactical urbanism sort of stuff, to also place management, right? What, how do you actually care for a space and think about getting organized to, to um, program it and improve it for the long term? So it kind of lays out the whole process um, and sometimes, you know, the the person who led the grant, maybe they're already familiar with all of that, but uh, even other folks in their organization or their board members or stakeholders are eligible to also join us for that training. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that is what makes the grants that you guys do so different because so many, it's just, well, here's some money, go do something. And you guys are really invested in making sure that they go do something, but in a, in a way that's going to be impactful and sustainable and um Awesome. And then the the market cities program. And I love the 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 question that you asked in the of what if every city had a public market strategy? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I do think public markets are kind of these magical places that they you know, they are public spaces, but they also are, you know, so there's all the community aspect of it. But then it is just such a great like economic incubator for people that, you know, maybe they can't afford their business isn't ready to open up a storefront or it doesn't make sense for their business. but. Mm -hmm public markets are such a like huge part of communities. And I feel like not enough more, more are coming online and starting to get that type of programming. But I guess, tell me a little bit about that market cities program. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, just coming back to that question that you brought up, I mean, when I think about this, you know, again, I come from sort of an arts, the arts world. Right. And it's like every city has an arts and culture plan where they're like, yeah, we talked to all the artists, all the arts organizations, we heard what they want, and we figured out how all the public agencies relate to this topic. And uh, yeah, it's like markets don't get that treatment at all. And yet, to your point, they they provide access to entrepreneurship, uh, you know, with low barriers to entry, they, they play a huge role in health, like, there's sort of a misconception, I feel like that, you know, farmers markets are only for like, wealthier people and that kind of stuff. But actually, most of them, uh, they accept SNAP, they accept WIC, right? They accept these programs to uh, make it affordable for people. And so they really provide all these amazing outcomes, uh, but they don't provide, they don't uh, get the same sort of policy support that some some other types of uh, activities get. And so the, the Market Cities program is really about um, trying to directly help markets sometimes, uh, you know, improve the way that they work and all of that. We do do that on, on the ground work, but also kind of building a broader community of practice of markets around the world, really, to advocate for 
this broader policy change and learn from each other and, and kind of grow. Um, there are also lots of other great organizations doing this work, like the Farmers Market Coalition. Uh, but I think what sets us apart there is really trying to embrace all different kinds of markets. So farmers markets, yes, but also flea markets or whole food, uh, wholesale markets or, you know, all of those different kinds uh, that really make up the broader ecosystem of markets in a city. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I, I love that, you know, I was thinking about the the market that we have here where I live and mm -hmm. you're right. They do, you know, it's not just, you know, food and, and farmers and ranchers, but there's, there's artists and makers and different people. And what I think, you know, we've, we've tried to work with a few of our clients that, they don't even really have a downtown. There's so many cities, which is, you know, amazing. They either don't have a downtown or they've yeah. lost their downtown over the years and mm -hmm. how these markets can almost kind of be a way to kind of start to bring that back. Um, you know, to kind of like reek. I mean, cause that's, that's ultimately how towns were made originally. Right. Is like <laughs> everybody came to a place and started selling stuff and eventually it became a town and a downtown and a main street um, kind of getting back to that. So and, and yeah, I love what you said about it's it's not just kind of the high end market, but, you know, a, a pretty good diverse, uh, it's going to serve a good diverse segment of the population. Mm -hmm. uh, awesome. And then what about, uh, I guess, the Placemaking Week conference? W when is that? Where is that? And like, who, who should attend that? Yeah, so we're really excited about that. Um, we did uh, last year was actually our first fully in-person conference since the pandemic. It was the International Public Markets Conference, uh, which we did in Toronto. And that was really, really fantastic. We had like 373 people coming from around the world, market leaders. Um, and it was this very experiential conference, really all about getting out in the markets, uh, meeting with each other, leaving this lasting legacy in the city. Um, and we're really hoping that the this Placemaking Week conference coming up this year is going to be all of those things as well. So uh, it's going to be in Baltimore, uh, Maryland, and it's taking place uh, June 5th through 8th. Um, and it's going to be an opportunity for, again, hundreds of placemakers from hopefully around the world uh, to finally get back together and uh, explore this city together, see all the awesome uh, placemaking that's happening in Baltimore, uh, dig into some of the challenges and opportunities in the city as well. We like to We like to choose places that are um, grappling with stuff. And I think Baltimore absolutely is. Um, so I think it's going to be fantastic. And I, I really hope that uh, we get to see uh, all of your listeners there because uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, well, we'll definitely be out there and uh, hope to see a lot of our listeners as well. Um, well, yeah, Nate, I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything before we go off that you want to anything else that you want to kind of share or, or, or chat about or? No, I mean, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, I was really glad that you opened this up with the, the sort of social infrastructure conversation, because I just think it's, it is one of the biggest challenges that we're facing today and such a, a huge opportunity for placemaking folks to contribute. So yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. No, I think that's huge. And I think that's been our biggest call for like, you know, whenever we have clients that get it right, they, they're kind of you've got those select few that get it and really getting them to kind of push the value of this so that it does get leveled up to these different projects. And it isn't just, again, viewed as that nice, cute to have project or, yeah, we'd love the farmer's market, but we're over here dealing with bigger things, but like let's make public space and placemaking just as big of a thing and, and deserve, get the attention that it deserves. So appreciate the work that you guys are doing and uh, we'll see you at placemaking week and hopefully work on some more projects this year together. Sounds good. Thanks, right. Ryan. Thanks, Dave. See you.